0: Well, good morning, Community Church. As we're making our way in, our desire today is that we would come into the house of God and we would give him all of our attention because he is worthy to be praised this morning. Do we all agree with that? Amen. So why don't we stand to our feet this morning? We want to welcome everybody watching online this morning. We're grateful that you can be with us. Our desire this morning is this to find our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to push past all the stuff all the mindsets all the thinking all the struggles everything we've watched on the news in the last week everything we've heard about from our friends our neighbors our goal right now is to say we're gonna push all that aside because regardless of what we see going on in our world Can we all agree with this? God is good. Amen? And if he is good, he is worthy to be praised. And so this morning, we choose to push that all aside, and we say, God, you are good. You are worthy to be praised. And this morning, we will give you all of our attention, because you are a good God. So this morning, let's raise our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's begin to cry out to our king. Amen? even right now at this very moment, whether we're standing or sitting in this room, he is working right now at this very second. He's asking us to put our faith in him right now at this very second, trusting that he is moving in our bodies, in our worlds, beginning to touch hearts right now for lost ones we're thinking of bringing provision where provision is needed. He is at work right now for healing that needs to take place. He is at work right now. And he's asking us, do you believe it? Do you believe it this morning? Think of whatever it is that's on your mind. If you need healing, whatever it is, let's declare truth right now because this is the truth. The lie is that he won't do it. I've tried this before. The truth is, he is God. Amen? So as we sing this again, push past the mindsets. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the healer. Let's sing it. Use those voices. Believe it as you sing it right now. Rise up in your spirits right now as we're singing it. Declare this over your life, over your kids' life. It's truth. Let your faith rise up. Come on. When I can't see it, Even when I can't see it, it's no working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Declare it. He's a good God. Declare it out loud. He is good. Come on. Don't shrink back. Declare the truth right now. He's a good God. I don't know where your hearts are at today, but my heart has been a little heavy at times. And I can feel the battle that's going on in our lives. I can feel that part that says, I, I've just done this so many times. But I'm telling you, this song says it all. We never stop going after him. We never stop pursuing him. Because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. God, help us right now to push past our own mindsets, those obstacles that get in the way. Father, those very things right now that are hindering us from believing this, from declaring this, for fighting for this, God. Father, shift our hearts where our hearts are far from you. May that shift right now, Jesus, shift it inside of us, God. May we draw closer to you. May we find you, Father God shift it right now jesus i believe i know it's true you never stop working you're working right now you're moving in lives right this second if you need healing just lift your hand up right now father for those that need healing god we pray that you would touch their bodies right now in jesus name heal their bodies father god who needs provision right now lift your hand up father for those that need provision in their life we declare provision can the rest of the body say amen to that we declare provision we declare provision thank you lord if you're thinking of a lost one right now just put your hand up so father right now these lost ones it's a battle the fight is on the war is on but guess what we know you win You're going to push through the mindsets. You're going to push through the fears. You're going to push through the lies. You're going to push through the deception. Father, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, push through it all. Push through it all. And each of those individuals represented right now, may the blood of the Lamb pour over them, where they're sitting in their homes, where they're driving in their cars. May the blood of the Lamb pour over them. In Jesus' name, If you're watching online and don't know him, ask him into your life right now. He is here. So let's finish with this. Let's speak Jesus into it. We speak the name of Jesus right now. It's the only thing that needs to be said right now. We speak the name of Jesus. Just declare that with your mouth. Jesus. We speak Jesus. We speak Jesus right now. Over everything, into everything. Jesus. Can we say amen to that? Amen. There are days when what we're doing right now couldn't matter more. Speaking Jesus into every situation in our lives. Declaring it as truth. God, may we never make light of speaking the name of Jesus into our stuff. (laughs) Amen? Uh, Lots going on in our world, hey? What a time to be alive in this nation and around the world. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> you know, a lot of people aren't saying that right now, right? Yeah, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, right? Because let me tell you something. God, God is still a work. I know at times it looks a little bit grim and stuff like that, but, but God is still a work. You know, I was looking at some statistics this last week, and, and uh, some other people were sharing news with me and stuff, and when you begin to look at some of this stuff, it, it can actually start to weigh on you a bit. You know, someone had told me right now that every, one out of every two people are struggling with mental health. That's in the church, that's outside of the church. You know, when you hear that, that that's, that's, that's a big number of people struggling with some form of mental health. You know, I, I read other stats, and, and uh, I was a little discouraged because I was looking over just some statistics over North America and Europe, and that a century ago that 80% of North America and Europe were Christian. Today it's at 40%. Yeah, I know. Wow, hey. I mean, you look at some of those stats, you look at what's currently going on in our world, and it can be a little discouraging at times, right? And I got to think about this a little bit. Uh, I checked out some other stats, and I think it's important to mention them. Do you know that right now there are 500 million Christians in Africa? Did you hear what I said? 500 million. Half a billion Christians in Africa. There are 350 million Christians in Asia right now. And they are predicting that by 2025, it'll be 560 million Christians. Can we say amen to that? I mean, it may look a little rough right now, but I mean, God is still moving. He's doing something in our lands, you know, but I know we live over here in Canada. And so today, this message, honestly, is not to be meant to be a heavy in any way. And I hope it doesn't come across that way. But I hope today it comes across, you know what, we need to shift something to North America. Something needs to change here. Right? We're seeing it, man. I mean, some other stats that I didn't like. The number one growing religion right now in Canada is Islam. Orthodox Christianity is at number six. The Anglican faith is at number nine. The rest of that is filled with a whole bunch of other religions. I mean, you look at that and you think, wow, what's going to happen in 10 or 20 years? That's a scary thought, isn't it? But then we just sang a bunch of songs that God's still working, right? God's still working. He's still doing something. Something's about to shift. I believe that with all my heart. Something's about to change. And I feel like God is trying to wake up the body of Christ in North America. There is an awakening that that is about to take place. Can we just call that in right now? God, we call that in right now, God. That awakening, God, we call it in, Jesus. Father, let it be so in our land, in our nation. Everywhere, let that awakening be so. Yes, Lord. You know, uh, many of you know that I used to work with uh, Watoto, and Jen and I lived in Africa for a little bit. And I remember traveling uh, with uh, the choir. We had 18 orphans and we had about 10 adult leaders all from Uganda. And we, we traveled around all of England, Canada, and the United States for six months. We spread the gospel. We raised awareness. I mean, we went to New York. We were in California. We were in Vancouver. We were in San Francisco, Arizona. We were in all these amazing places. London. Right? And I remember near the end of tour, I sat down with one of my leaders and we started chatting. And and I said to him, I said, You know, now that you've been almost all around the world, right? You've been to all these amazing places. I mean, you've been to New York, man. You have been everywhere and you have seen what these places provide. I said, Is it going to be hard for you to go back home when you've seen all of this? Well, his answer kind of surprised me because he looked at me and he said, no. No, it's not going to be hard to go home at all. He said, you guys may have everything here. In fact, you have too much here. He said, you know, when I look around, I see distractions everywhere. Everywhere. He said, you know, I I see a nation. That isn't necessarily focused on the eternal. They're focused on the temporal. I see a nation fighting for possessions, but not for the kingdom. I mean, this guy's preaching to me. He says, Now I want to go back home because I'd rather be without food, I'd rather live in a shack than be without God. <laughs> Oh my goodness, right? I mean, when he started to share this with me, I just thought, wow. Like, it's a bit of a wake-up call. Because we do have everything. You know, Mark often says, you know, he preaches the same message a lot. And he says, you know what, I'm going to keep preaching it. And I'm going to keep preaching it. Well, there's a reason he keeps preaching it. Right? Until the gospel of Jesus Christ has saturated our hearts where it is the only thing that we are prioritizing in our life where that when we leave here it's just as prevalent as it is when we came here I'm thankful that he keeps preaching the same message because there's something in us that just keeps drawing back to this other world isn't it true And God is saying, you know what, I want to get in there and I want to cut that. You know, I really feel we're in the season right now of there's something about the ask. And so, I don't know, I've been weighing through what the title of my message is today. I don't know, I've had three different things come to my mind. You know, there's something about the ask that I I feel at and we're going to explore that a little bit today. But I also have had this thing that, you know, God isn't preparing us. We all know this. He's not preparing us to live here on earth, right? He's preparing us for heaven, right? The songs again we sang, we got to remember as we're singing these songs, he's preparing us for heaven. So as we go through the shifts, the changes, the ups, the downs, we always have to remember that he's, he's preparing us for heaven. You know, and the other thing was, as God laid on my heart, is in which direction are we laying our tents? I mean, you know where I'm going to go with that one today. In which direction are we laying our tents? And I just want to say this, that on this journey, right, God is going to do whatever it takes to get us back on track. Do we know that? He cares about us so much that he's going to do whatever it takes to get us back on track. There are parts of our lives where we don't realize how we are so focused on the temporal. I mean, Wednesday, it was part of our focus during prayer. I mean, there were moments Cam was, was crying out for us to shift from the stuff of the world. I mean, straight down to the possessions, right? Down to our phones, down to games, down to this. That God would begin to shift our nation that way. I mean, on Friday, Derek's there, and Derek's praying that God would, would shut the TVs off in our home homes, that we'd turn the news off. How many say amen to that one? Right? Turn the news off for a little while, right? It can be so discouraging. Because God is trying to shift and get our attention again on eternity and on eternal things. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get us focused on eternal things. Can we say amen to that? It's a scary thing to say amen to, right? And it made me think of, uh, you know, because God, God will direct our paths. He will guide us and lead us. But it made me think of a time that I went to Africa. I remember going to Africa, and actually Joel Lotz was with me, and Matt, you were with me on that trip, right? And so we went on a safari in Zambia. In fact, your, your sister Beth was with me on that trip too, Ben. And I remember we uh, decided to go for this safari, and we got on this safari, Uh, Jeep, and, you know, we start driving out. Now, when you're in Africa and when you're on safari, you're really at the mercy of your guide, right? I mean, I went with Cam and Teresa a few years ago. I mean, we drove out and we parked the vehicle, and there was a lion probably walking 15 feet from our vehicle, right? I mean, you're trusting that your guide knows what he's doing, right? (laughs) That's really true. And so I remember going on this trip, Matt was there, and we go out, and every time you go on safari, you're looking for one animal. What animal is it? (laughs) You're looking for the lion. Not the giraffes, not the antelope, right? You're looking for that lion, right? And so we are driving around and around and around, and this guy knows the land, he knows where he's going, and we finally get the phone call, right? They radio him, and they say, we have found the lions, and so, of course, they turn that thing around, and they take off to where those lions are. Remember this, Matt? We pull up, and there's probably, I think, three lionesses there, and they're sitting there with their cubs. One of the most amazing moments in my life, right? So this guy pulls probably within 15 feet of these lions, right? And I'm starting to think, we're getting pretty close to these guys, <laughs> you know? But again, I, I trust this guy. And all of a sudden the guide puts the vehicle in park and we're all sitting there for a minute. And he gets up and he gets out of his vehicle and he walks over to the cooler that's in the back. Remember this? He opens the cooler. He starts taking out pop and beers. And he starts giving them to everybody on the Jeep. And I'm looking at this going, is this cool? You know, then he reaches in and he starts grabbing bags of chips, Yes, I know, Ame, right? <laughs> this does not make sense. He's handing out food to us as we're sitting 15 feet from a bunch of lionesses. And I just remember that moment. I, I remember my heart started beating. I looked at the guy. I'm like, is this legit? Like, what are you doing? You know, and this guy, he just looked at us. He said, I've done this a lot. I know exactly what I'm doing. You're going to be absolutely fine. Right? So this amazing moment ends, and eventually, it's dark out, and we start to head back to uh, where we were staying. And of course, this guy knows exactly how to get there. And I share that because it just made me think, man, we are really at the mercy of God here, aren't we? He's a good guide. He's not going to lead us astray. I'm going to say this again because some of us are going, yeah, I've heard that a billion times. Okay, I I get that. But are we living this yet? He's not going to lead us astray. He's got us and he's going to take care of us. It just may not look the way we like at times, right? Right? (laughs) I think God, he's on a mission. Not only is his mission to, to save every single person on planet Earth, His mission is to shift our hearts. His mission is to get us on track with what he wants to do. And so today, I want to talk a little bit more about the ask, and then we're going to go from there. I want to read a scripture out of Matthew 7, 8. Most of us are very familiar with this scripture verse, and I think this scripture is probably one of the most misused scriptures in the Bible. (laughs) Here we go. It says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open for you. For anyone who asks, receives. And anyone who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 11 says this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Amen. Amen. <laughs> And here's another one. It's out of Matthew seven eleven, and it says this: God will not fail to give His children good things. Well, I guess there's two questions we have to ask, though, right? So, can we ask Him for anything? Right? Is it anything? You know, is it six hundred pounds of chocolate? Right, ladies? It can be delivered to our front door. Or is that as long as it's dark chocolate? Right? You know, is this what this scripture verse is saying? No, No, it's not saying that, right? It's almost a concept, you know, and some people have struggled with this. It's the genie concept. I'm going to rub that genie and I'm going to ask him for whatever I want, right? And then the next question is this. Well, what is good? Sometimes I think our understanding of what good is and his understanding of what good is is two very different things. Would you agree with that? Like even what's going on in our nation right now. You do know God's going to use this, right? And he's going to do something good with it, correct? Because everything meant for evil, what? He turns to good. That's who he is. That's what he's done many times. You know, in the 70s, I'm sure some of you have paid attention to your history and stuff. And, of course, Jen and I lived in Africa. But in the 70s, who remembers the the dictator Idi Amin? Right? I mean, he slaughtered the estimate between 300,000 and 500,000 individuals in in Uganda. I mean, what we're going through right now is a cakewalk to what they went through. One of the most devastating situations, circumstances on earth. You know, and eventually Idi Amin leaves. But let me tell you something. Is before Edi Amin left, you know that Christianity was being shut down, their Christian percentage was probably at an all time low in Uganda. But after this circumstance, three to five hundred thousand people die. That nation changed. They're sitting at eighty six percent Christian today. Wow. God, you're working. And sometimes I don't like the circumstances that are in front of me. Right? But let's declare this. God is working right now, isn't he? He is working right now. And he knows exactly what is good for us. We all know this. We can all think back to when we were kids, right? Come on, I remember going to the dinner table. As I was sitting down, you know, mom would always make our wonderful meal and she would always make a great dessert. In our house, it was apple upside down cake. Anybody have that? Come on, that's good stuff, right, Anna? Is good stuff, you betcha. Right? My mom would make this apple upside down cake, and as most of you do, I, w- I want a dessert first. Why would I eat the rest of this stuff? I need to have my dessert, right? And you know what mom would do. Mom would do the, no, you can't have your dessert until you sit down and you got to eat all your dinner. Right? I'm like, fine, I'll eat my dinner. So I'd eat my whatever it was you know, chicken and mashed potatoes and stuff, and I'd say, Mom, I ate all my chicken and mashed potatoes. Then my mom would look down, and what would she say? Yeah, you guys all know, because this all happened to you, right? You got to eat your veggies. And I'm thinking to myself, my mom has no clue what she's talking about. Have you tasted those things? They're the most disgusting things on the planet. Why would my mom torture me? Seriously, you all know was torture to you i mean at times i was pretty much forced i felt to eat it you know i had to eat liver all this stuff i mean i I would eat this food because i wanted dessert (laughs) it took me 25 years to figure out no i'm serious at least 25 years right because i still didn't want to eat my vegetables vegetables when i was probably 25 years old but i realized my mom had my best intentions in mind right She had all of our best intentions in mind. My mom was always thinking ahead. She wasn't thinking about the now moments, right? She was thinking about my teeth. She was thinking about my health. She was thinking about this. I am going to prepare my son the best I can to become an adult one day, right? Which means there are days where I'm going to give to them, give to him, and there are days when I'm not and I'm going to give to him what is healthy because he needs it, right? Our God is in that same place. But let me tell you something. When it comes to this stuff, you know, as a kid, I was a bad kid. Anybody else want to confess that right now? Like, I I just was a bad kid. And I know, I know, Kurt Friesen, I know he was a bad kid. I just look at him sometimes, he's a bad kid. I can just tell. (laughs) Weren't you? See, he's not, yes, he was a bad kid. Right, I can look around the room, and I, I, Paul was a bad kid. Ben was a terrible kid, right? Joel Mitchell was a terrible kid, and we know exactly who we got it from, right? Matt Breesbaugh, the same thing. We know who we got it from, right? Okay, let's just say, were there any good kids in here? Okay, I'm gonna venture to say that more girls put their hands up than guys, right? Because there are a lot of bad. Tareen Newman, I'm sorry, she was a bad kid. She's still bad, right? Oh, Kareem's laughing because Kareem's bad, too. We know that. Something inside of it. We're bad kids, man, all of us. Well, I was a bad kid, too. And let me tell you something, man. I knew how to manipulate the system. Right? Did you know how to manipulate the system? (laughs) You still do, right? (laughs) I mean, you got to think about this. Okay, because you know where I'm going with this. I knew how to manipulate it with my mom. Right? Mom, can I have this? No, we can't get that. Don't have enough money for that. Really? No, no, not enough money. That's fine. No problem. Go home. A couple days later, I phone my mom on the phone, and I say, Mom, hey, I found $10. Can I actually go and buy that thing from Safeway that I saw? Oh, you found $10. Absolutely, son, you can go. And so i take off to the store, and I'd go buy that thing, and I'd come home. My mom would come home later on, and we're eating dinner, and, and all of a sudden, my mom says to me... Chris, we need to sit down and talk for a second. I'm like, okay, what's up? And she says, well, I just want to ask you one question. Where'd you find that $10? Well, I found it on the counter. (laughs) That's not finding $10. That's stealing. No, it's not. I found the $10 on the counter. Who would leave the $10 on the counter? Like, I found it there, so I took it. Now, of course, I got in trouble. Right? But this is part of the system. I mean, you've got to think about this. Somehow at that time, I had convinced myself I had found a way to shift my thinking to the point that I found a way to make it right for me to take that 10 bucks. Right? I found a way to manipulate the system so it fit my narrative and exactly what I wanted in that moment. Here's here's the clincher. I believed it. Right, right, right. Right? I fully believed it was perfectly fine. Because who would leave 10 bucks on the counter if they didn't want somebody to find it, right? I mean, I convinced myself. And I mean, this is the journey, unfortunately, that we're on, is with God. Sometimes we have convinced ourselves. Yeah, I see the heads nodding, right? We have. We have convinced ourselves. Right? And we have got ourselves a little confused, I think, as to what actually is valuable, what's important, what's needed, what should we be crying out to God for? What are those amazing gifts that He has? You know, and so Let me ask you this question. What are you crying out for? When you're at home, no one else is around, right, just just take, let's take 15 seconds here. Maybe in 30. Ask yourself this. Honestly ask yourself this question right now. God, what am I asking for? What am I crying out for? And does it align with you? Because that's the end question, right? take 15 seconds here and ask him, because I need to drink some water. You see, we are a culture that is fixated on the temporal. Right? And God is going to do whatever he can to shift that. Right? He will give, he will take away, he will shift it up however he has to, to get us in alignment with him. Let's go to Genesis, alright? Let's go to Genesis Chapter 13 to start. I'm not going to go through all of this, but I'm going to go through part of this today. We all know the story, I think, maybe some of us don't, of Abram and Lot. And today I'm going to focus a little bit more on Lot's journey here and uh, some of the things that he went through, right? But to pick it up, I want to start in Chapter 13. And in Chapter 13... We're just going to get a little bit of the picture of, uh, you know, what God's trying to set up here. So chapter 13 says this. It says, So they left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, Abram with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. For Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and golds. Then they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel, to the place between Bethel and I, where they had camped before. This was the place where Abram had built the altar and there again worshiped the Lord. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also very wealthy with sheep, cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. There were many animals for the... There were... Too many animals for the available pasture land. So an argument broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the lands. Then Abram talked it over with Lot. This arguing between our herdsmen has got to stop, he said. After all, we are close relatives. I'll tell you what we'll do take your choice of any section of land you want, and we will separate. If you want that area over there, then I will stay here. If you want to stay in this area, then I will move to another place. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley, in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose that land for himself, the Jordan Valley, to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. Verse 12 says this, So while Abram stayed in the land of Canaan, Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom among the cities of the plain. The people of this area were unusually wicked and sinned greatly against the Lord. I mean, this is a powerful scripture, right, of really understanding what Lot did here. And at this moment, and if you do a lot of research on this, you'll find that when Lot actually pointed his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, a lot of people will say this, it was Lot basically having one foot in the church and having one foot in the world, right? There was something that Lot was drawn to about the possessions of the land, about the land itself, which began to really take ownership in a sense of his heart. So if we skip up, we're going to go all the way up to chapter 19 here. And before we get there, let me grab it on here, actually. You know, a lot had taken place. A lot had happened with Abram. And I'm going to let you look that stuff up yourself. But there was a war that had broken out at some point. And when this war broke out... You know, a, uh, Lot was actually taken, and his livestock was taken. Abraham had heard about this, and, of course, he got an army together. Once he got his army together, he went and, uh, at, at night, and he got Lot. He got all of the livestock back. In fact, he freed people even from Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was a point where the people of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to give uh, Abram all of the gold, give him money. And, Lo- and Abram said no to this. And the reason he said no to this was this. He said, I don't want any of your money because I don't want you thinking that it was your money that did any of this for me right. because it was God. Yes. Right? Remember that? So now we're going to skip to 19. This, this has so much stuff in it, in chapter 19. Now, I'm only going to read part of it, but if you remember... Lot has an encounter with two angels in the city, right? Two angels just hanging out downtown, right? Must be nice. Of course, he sees them, and they start to have a discussion, and Lot says to them, I want you to come to my house. Come to my house. You stay the night there. I'm going to feed you dinner. I want you to be in my house. And they say, no, 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 no. We'll stay here. We'll stay in the town. But Lot says, no, no, no. I want you to come, and he pretty much demands, come to my house so I can feed you. And so, of course, these two angels go to Lot's house. They're in their house and they're eating and having a meal. And all of a sudden, some people come to the door. Do you remember this? Young and old men of Sodom and Gomorrah come to the door. They knock on the door and they tell Lot, We want those two angels inside. In fact, we want to lay with these two angels. (laughs) Well, what does Lot do? like all of us would do. He offers his two daughters, right? (laughs) I mean, seriously, wow. And when when I read that, I'm like, seriously? This is what he does. He offers his two daughters. And of course, they say no to the two daughters, and they want to force their way in. So we know when they tried to force their way in, all of a sudden those angels said no, and they slammed that door, right? I, I just want to pause there because I want to encourage you with something here. There are angels walking among us. You know that? I just thought about it. These guys had no clue that those were angels. No clue at all, right? Like, think of that whole situation. No clue. There are angels walking amongst us, watching over us, protecting us, all the time. Now, let's go back to the story here. this is where I want to read it. Verse 10 says this. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Now, I read that scripture, and I think, well, of course they stopped trying to get inside. What would you do if you just lost your sight? Right? You know, I'm like, it's an interesting statement, Right? So they lose their sight. But meanwhile, the angels question Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city, they asked. Get them out of this place, your son-in-laws, daughters, sons, or anyone else. Now listen to this scripture right here. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord. And he has sent us to destroy it. I got to pause there. I just got to pray here because I feel this, right? Father God, have mercy on our land today. Have mercy on our nation today. May this never happen, God, where the news reaches you and you've had enough. Have mercy on our land, God. Verse 14 says this So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick. Get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young man thought he was only joking. Right? Now, again, if you do a bit of a study on this, they were actually kind of mocking him and making fun of him and saying this is not the case. This place is not going to be destroyed. Now, when you really look into it, they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay. Right? Verse 15 says this. At dawn the next morning, the angels... You've got to think about this, right? This is the next morning now. The warning has been given. It's taken an entire morning yet, so we'll keep going here. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand in the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. He hesitated. Why did he hesitate? What's that? Why did he hesitate? Yeah, he loved living in the city. Now, I I know some of us are sitting in here going, what was wrong with the guy? But can we picture this for a second? Let's go to your home right now. Right? Our home's right this second. And two angels show up. And they tell you this God's going to come and he's going to destroy the city. It's time to run. <laughs> do you think we might do this? But this is everything that I have saved up for, this is all of my earthly possessions. I actually understand this battle, right? Because I've asked this question many times. You know, I've heard the Lord say to me, what would you give up for the lost to be saved? What would you give up for a nation to be saved? What if this was the cost?" That's a tough question to ask, right? It's a hard one. Okay, I'm going to pick it up again in 16. When Lot... Still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hand of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely outside of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged. Still begging. I, I just can't be without something here, Right? Oh, no, my Lord, Lot begged. You have been so gracious to me and saved my life, and you have shown such great kindness, but I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. His life will be saved if he can go to this small city, right? That's the thing that will save him in his mind. All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why that village was known as Zor, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all of the people and every bit of vegetation. Now we all know, but what does Lot's wife do? But Lot's wife looked back, and she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Still in the middle of that. Disaster. It's almost like bombs flying everywhere, right? You know, and that part of get out of here or you're going to die, and that part, but I don't. Want to leave this, this attachment? You see how strong that attachment is—so strong. Abraham got up early the next early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plains towards Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the city like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request. And kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. Oh God, may the Abrahams rise up. May the Abrahams rise up who are beginning to plead mercy over this land. May they rise up, God, and plead mercy over this land. Oh Lord. Well, I want to read two final scriptures here. Actually, just before I do that, you guys remember that song by Johnny Cash, Hurt? You do? It's not a bad song, hey? I want to read you one line from it. Anybody know that song? A few? Jim? He's like, no, I don't know it. (laughs) Well, here's what it is, right? Johnny Cash says this one line. It says, What have I become my sweetest friend? Every one I know goes away in the end, and you could have it all, my empire of dirt. Remember that? Man, that line hits me hard. We fight so hard for our empire of dirt. Yeah, let it fall. Let it fall. I just want to read these scriptures, and I just want to pray. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says it best. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for by faith. He's not a genie. It's got to be according to his will. And as a good God, he's only going to give us that which he knows is good. And then he's going to challenge us even further. In Matthew 6, 24, he says this. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. <laughs> oh, God, would you help us? Why don't we stand? Today, I'm, I'm only trying to provoke you guys, to really ask yourself some deep questions because I'm actually talking to myself today. We see a land right now in our nation and we see a land that is struggling. We see a lot of stuff going on. And I'm really good at complaining. I'm really good at telling everybody what should happen, how it should happen. And at times I'm very good at telling God what should happen too. And then I hear this still small voice saying, it just starts with you. It starts with every single one of us. The body of Christ. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Repent from their sins. Turn from their wicked ways. I am starting to ask Him, God, where, where have I started to worship the possessions of the land? Where have I started to worship the temporal? Take it away! Oh, that's a hard one to pray. God, take it away. Take it away, Lord. Father, our heart's desire is this that we would only do, we would only ask for what is according to your will. Father, that we would choose to come in line with your word, that we would choose to come in line with your desires for the body of Christ. Father, we choose to start to ask for the things that we know are dear to your heart. And today we ask that you would give us a revelation as to what is good what is it that you want us to cry out for what is it that you want us to ask for God and forgive us God where we have placed our needs our wants at the forefront the very things we think we need to have and we convince ourselves we should God where we've manipulated the system forgive us Father, shift our hearts right now in this room. Father, show us the steps we need to take to walk out from this bondage, to walk out from this hold. We do not want to be held captive. We do not want to be slaves to our thoughts. We do not want to be slaves to the things of this world. God, we want to be bond servants to the Most High King. God, shift our hearts, I pray. So, Father, we ask that you would have your way in our lives. We ask for mercy. We ask for grace. We ask, God, that you would speak to us throughout the night, throughout the day, that you would begin to lead our feet in the direction they need to go, That you would guide our thoughts. That you would guide our actions. God, that you would shift our wants. And Father, may you pull our hearts so close to you and teach us how to do this, God. Especially when we're not at church. I pray the blessing of God upon each one in this house. This journey is a hard journey. But we have a good, God. a good God. And my challenge to you as you leave is just go sit before Him. Reevaluate where you need to reevaluate, prioritize where you need to prioritize. But I believe this if we truly want to see our nation shift, If we truly want to see our nation changed, then I believe it starts with each of us yielding only to the Father and laying down that which needs to be laid down and to pick up that which needs to be picked up. Can we say amen? Amen.